Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise this morning. Praise the Lord. Can you grab your Bibles with me? Just remain standing. Mark chapter 4. Grab your Bibles and remain standing for just a brief moment. And as you're turning there, I'm so excited that you're able to be with us. And uh, I, I believe that God is doing some great things. Also, for those of you that say, man, you know what? I, I missed last week's message. I was not here. Go on to our podcast. We got so many people that get on our podcast every week. I get uh, uh, comments. I get messages. I get text messages uh, from people in the Philippines, in Africa. I had somebody from Texas just last week said, Pastor, that message was right on time. Um, even one of our pastors spoke. I, I think it was Pastor Gerald that might have spoke recently. Somebody even told me, they said, man, that message that uh, one of your pastors preached was timely just for me. I needed that. And these are men and women from all over the country and even all over the world. So I want to challenge you say, you know, I wasn't able to make last Thursday or last Sunday. Get onto our podcast because I'm telling you, it is something that is powerful. It is a seed. Somebody say seed. The Bible says faith comes by and hearing the word of God, not man's opinion, not your pastor's opinion, not your pastor's thoughts necessarily, but it's by the word of God. Listen to me. It's the word that's going to transform you. I want to make that very clear. Me as your pastor, I am your shepherd. I am here to guide you. My father used to say that we are nothing more than the great suggestors. We just make suggestions. We don't tell you what to do, how to live, where to go. Don't do this. Don't do that. I wouldn't do this. No, no, no. We, we don't tell you what to do. We just suggest, hey, I wouldn't do that. I just wouldn't do it because of what the Word of God has done in me. And if He can transform me, He can transform you. Now, I say that because I know that some of you here this morning, you're going through a little bit of storms, and you're wondering, saying, man, where is God at? But I want you to know He's right there. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. If you have it, say, mm-hmm. Oh, come on, give me an early morning with some soul. Mark chapter 4, 35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. That alone I can have a message on. A furious squall came up. Some of your translations say storm. Serious storm came up. And the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Only the gospel of Mark shares that. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, some of your translations say, Rabbi, don't you care if we drown or if we die? Verse 39, he got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. Then he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves Obey him. Before you're seated, shake your neighbor's hand and tell them, Riders in the storm. Then you may be seated. For all of you 60s folks that grew up, that was actually one of my father's favorite group, but that song was called Riders on the Storm. Right? 
Riders on the storm. I don't know the rest, but it goes something like this. Riders on the storm. The first riders were the disciples. So I'm here to tell you something here this morning. If you are in a storm, you're in a boat with the disciples. You're a disciple. If you're going through it, man, all hell is breaking loose. Good, you're a disciple. It's a part of it. It's a part of the discipleship of being in the ship. It's been interesting to, to me to even watch as we see all throughout the news and throughout uh, American history that is being written right now. And if you'll see it, we've had so many different uh, hurricanes and so many different typhoons that have been taking place all over the world, right? You've watched it on the news and you've seen it on the news. But it, it's been very interesting to me as we've watched these storms come over our cities. It's been very interesting to me when I see the people on TV blaming each other for the storm. Notice that? The mayor comes up. Oh, no, if, if they would have did this. The city officials come up. Oh, no, if they would have did this. And all around, it's the president's fault. It's the mayor's fault. It's this organization's fault. It's that's fault. You know, they refuse to do this. They refuse to get out. And, well, if the, if the levees were built right, and if, and if, the, if the president would have did this, and this and that, and it goes back and forth and back and forth without realizing, hey, it was a storm. The storm came and the storm blew. And when the storm this size hits, I want you to know something. No amount of human intervention could have prevented even what happened. There will always be enormous loss of property and even sometimes lives. Storms will come and stuff will break. Storms came in the life of Jesus as well. He and the disciples found themselves in the middle of a ferocious, or the Bible says serious, squall on the lake. This was nothing unusual, though, to the Sea of Galilee. It is a basin surrounded by mountains that was notorious for furious storms. And rising just above the north over the lake is the Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon is capped with snow, and sometimes the cold air from the top of the Hermon would rush down the mountain and would blow across the lake. The force of the cold air meeting the hot, moist air around Galilee can be very explosive, as it was on this day in this story. Jesus and his personal friends, his personal disciples, went into the middle of the lake when the squall hits. It is, a it is terrifying, and it looks as though they will not survive the storm. But what happens next is something for which neither the reader nor even the disciples were prepared for. And that was the storm will come. No matter what comes, I want you to know something. Come what may, and may will come. A storm is a brewing, and it's coming your way. Whether you're on the shores or you're, whether you're in the water, the storms will come. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. See, there are many who do not seem to understand this. The disciples seemed shocked to be shocked that they were even in this position. I mean, after all, if you think about it, Jesus was with them. So wouldn't God protect the Messiah? Wouldn't God protect them? They were with Jesus. Shouldn't God protect us? I'm a follower of Christ. Shouldn't God protect me from this? How could this even happen? 
And many times I even see and even meet many people who have the same feeling of shock when the storms come into their lives. Well, didn't I do all the right things? Well, wasn't I supposed to do this? Isn't God supposed to watch out for me? Isn't God supposed to look out for me? How could this even happen to me? This doesn't make any sense. Why am I in a storm? Why am I going through this? I am a child of God. There should be no storms to ever happen in my life. Right? That's the way the disciples thought. If you've ever thought like that, I want you to know, hey, you're in the right boat. This couldn't happen to me. This shouldn't happen to me. But my friend, it happened to the disciples, and if it happened to them, I'm sure it could happen to you. There were so many questions that, were prob- that the disciples were probably thinking of and going through in their head. And there's an interesting scripture that I read in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 15. It says, and so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. As I began to look at the scripture, there there was a phrase right there that says waiting patiently. That word in the Greek means macrothumia. Macrothumia. That word translated to us in the English language is long-suffering. Long-suffering. So this is what the scripture says. It says, and so after long-suffering, Abraham received his promise. And so after being uh, through a time of suffering and trial and pain, after going through it all, then he received his promise. See, many times we think, well, the promises of God are supposed to come the moment I raise my hand or the moment I put money in the bucket or the moment my family, they, 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 they just see me for who I really am, then the promises should come. But even Abraham understood. Peter understood. He said the promises of God come even through long suffering see God made a great promise to Abraham but in order to receive it Abraham had to go through some long suffering this my friend is life even with the promises of God see endurance and faith are keys and these things are only possible because of the promises and faithfulness of God can I hear an amen see you and I begin to realize how important an anchor is in a boat when you go through a storm In Hebrews chapter 6, 19, it says, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. My friend, for those of you that have lost a loved one, the Bible says, Do not grieve as though with one without hope, but grieve, but grieve as though with one with hope. And I say that because I know a lot of us, and many of you have been going through some some times, some hard times having to bury loved ones. Trust me, I know how it is to bury a loved one. It it hurts, and it hurts deeply. And because you have so many questions, why, God? Why would this happen? They were in good health. They were young. Or I was just talking to them yesterday. Everything seemed good. Why does it have to happen like this? But my friend, God will still bless you even in the storm. But he's trying to show us something. What are these things that he's even trying to show us? See, there's some here today that even in a life storm that is raging, for many of us that we're going through, we've gone through a a, a loss of life, through relationships. For some of us, even it's a health issue, being swamped even with even finances. So many storms that come over our lives, and even we've tried to be a good person and do the right thing, and yet we feel like we are sinking. And I want you to know the same things the disciples wanted to know. The disciples themselves said, Jesus, don't you care that we're going to drown? Don't you care? about what what I'm going through. And what's interesting to note is that this portion of Scripture is, you'll find it in the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. You'll find it there. But Matthew and Luke 
in their Gospels, they leave out this question of what Mark says. Only Mark records the question of the disciples. Mark was the one that saw it. Because the other ones share the story, but only Mark elaborates on the story. And so here, you will find, Lord, save us, I'm going to drown. I'm sure that these are the words that many of us have shouted in fear in our lives. But I want you to know something. This is what you need to understand. This is what the storm does not mean. This is very important because a lot of times we think we get into a storm and, oh, the storm must mean this or the storm must mean that. But I want you to know something. The storm does not mean that God does not love you. I want to make that very clear. The storm does not mean that God is angry with you. The storm does not mean that he's trying to pay you back for something that you did wrong against him. The storm does not mean that God is trying to toy with you and just trying to mess with you and play with you. See, even a lot of times whenever we use that word, Father, I'm a Father, and we say, worship your Father, give your Father all the glory, right away you equate that with your Father. And for some of you, your Father, he messed with you. Some of, some of you, your Father ran out on you. Some of you, your Father treated you away, and he used to tell you horrible things and tell you dumb things. You're a dummy, you're an idiot, you're never going to make it. And so they mess, they mess with your soul. And so when all of a sudden you hear that again, say, worship your Abba Father. Uh, he's going to run out of me. He's not going to give me what I want, just like my dad did. And so you have this, this, this way of seeing storms that when storms come upon you, you go, see, I knew it. He don't love me. He don't care for me. But I want you to know something, my friend. God loves you, and he loves you deeply. He loves you wholeheartedly more than you will ever know. God loves you. See, you can make, make a mistake against me, and I'll go, oh, that hurts. But you make a mistake against God, and he says, I love you even more. I'll take that sin, and I'll throw it into the sea of forgetfulness. Whatever you are going through, whatever storm that you are going through right now, I want you to know something. God loves you. Tell your neighbor next to you, God loves you. See, sometimes even the storms in our lives, they're even self-made. But many times, it's just that even storms, they just happen. And we try to analyze what has happened or even assign the blame. But I want you to know something. When we try to do that, it is a fruitless activity. No matter how hard you try, you're not going to get any fruit out of it. Matthew chapter 5, verse 45 says, He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. In other words, good and bad happen to everybody. The important thing is whether, whether or not we are prepared for it to come. That's what we need to understand. Don't think, well, something bad is happening. Man, you know what? That's the, that's the devil. He, he, he's getting you. And listen, I want you to know that's also for the perspective of, the, of those of you that are outside the storm. Don't look at those in the storm and say, well, pff, man, they're getting punished by the enemy. See, that's only for those of you that have never really been through a tough time in your life. See, for those of us that have really been through a storm, we know what it's like from the outside looking in. See, and we understand, listen, the sun rises and falls on the good and the evil. The rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous the same. God is no respecter of persons. And what you and I need to understand is that we can't control it, but we can get prepared for it. There's a story in, in Florida of a TV news anchor crew. He 
that they were on assignment in southern Florida filming a widespread destruction of Hurricane Andrew. The camera panned the area where amid the devastation and debris, one lone house was still standing on its foundation. The owner was cleaning up the yard when a reporter approached him and said, Sir, why is your house the only one still standing? How did you manage to escape the severe damage of the hurricane? I built the house, the house myself, the man replied. I also built it according to the Florida State Building Code. When the code called for two-by-six roof trusses, I used two-by-six roof trusses. I was told that a house built according to code could withstand a hurricane. I did, and it did. It could be that no one else around here followed the code. See, this was a man who understood that storms were coming. It had nothing to do with him. It was about an area in which he lived and the nature of the storms. His job was to be prepared. When the sun was shining and the skies were blue, it may have seemed foolish to put extra expense and trouble into building a hurricane-proof house. But when the hurricane came, it was anything but foolish, but it was top-notch wisdom. The important thing is not trying to understand all the various reasons why storms come, but to be prepared before they do. I want you to know something here this morning, that even as you breathe, even as you wake up, there is a storm that is brewing, a storm that you cannot control. But I want you to know something, if you would just allow Christ to be in that boat, then there is a preparation, there is something that is happening within your soul that no storm can take away from you. It's a peace that surpasses all understanding. It's a joy that the Bible says is unspeakable. It's a love that covers a multitude of sins. See, all these things are fruit of what God is trying to do while you're in the storm. Get prepared. Tell your neighbor, get prepared. See, Jesus was with them in the storm. If you are going in a storm, the one person that you would want in your boat should be Jesus. Can I hear an amen? See, Jesus could have stayed on the shore and let them take all my chances themselves, but he didn't do it. Where they went, he went. The problem for the disciples wasn't that he was with them, but that he was asleep. Now, he was asleep due to two things. Number one, he was asleep from total exhaustion of the ministry of preaching to crowds. He was just exhausted. When you preach so long and you do this for so long and you speak to so many people, there's an exhaustion that comes over your body. And then two, he was also asleep because there was a total peace in knowing who he was and who his father was. See, but the disciples, they interpreted this as falling asleep as a lack of caring. And it's interesting that this is the only place in the Bible that we read of Jesus sleeping. Now, there's many times where the Bible says that Jesus stood up all night praying, right? It says he stood up all night. He was there, and he took all night. And they would do this all night. And they went over all night. But this is the only ca case where you will find Jesus sleeping, and he's sleeping in a boat. And it's very ironic that here at this time, when you would think of it, that in this storm, it would be impossible to, to sleep. The disciples even wondered how he could sleep through the storm and how they could, he could sleep even when they were in danger. They expected him to be attentive to their needs even in his sleep. Let me ask you something. Haven't you been there before? Where you've been going through a storm and you said, God, where are you at? 
And yet there's Jesus snoring away. You've been crying out to God. And we even, uh, I know many of you, when we have talked, and you said, and I've asked you, have you prayed? You say, yes, I prayed. You say, oh, okay, well, God's probably asleep. That's not right. That's not fair. God shouldn't be asleep. He stays awake. That's what the Bible says. He never sleeps. Okay, well, there, then there's times where he's there, but he's just not attending to your needs because there's various reasons why you were in that storm. And God needs to just be sleeping on a cushion. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, just think about this for a quick second. We, we talk about this story, and we use this story in the Bible, and we use it as the storm. But think about this for a quick second. What if, I'm just saying, what if the disciples, just for some reason, saw Jesus sleeping, and they went to sleep? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. See, right now we use it as, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. But what if somebody would have said, you know what? That same peace he has, I need. That same understanding, that same feel that he has, that's what I want. See, Jesus was here in this boat seemingly like he didn't care. Seemingly like he wasn't responsive to their needs. To their needs. See, at least we know that we are in the same boat as the disciples. But what is Jesus' response when he wakes up? He does two things right away when he wakes up. The first thing is he rebukes the storm, and then he rebukes the disciples. He says, be very careful if you want to wake up Jesus. Are you sure you want to wake him up? Because sometimes when he wakes up, it's time to start rebuking things. But I love it. He rebukes nature. He says, hey, I'm supernatural. All the natural, be quiet. Shh, be still. And those of you living in the natural, shh, be still. Be quiet. He puts everything and everyone in their rightful place. And he asks them even two questions. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have faith? Why are you so afraid, and do you still have faith? What's very important here in this portion of Scripture, I know a lot of times we say fear is the opposite of faith. It's not that fear is the opposite. It's just fear and faith are not compatible. They don't work. They can't go together. According to the Scripture, the Bible says perfect love cast out all fear. We talked about that, right, a couple weeks ago. Cast out. Somebody say cast out. Someone say cast out. Someone say cast out. Now use your hands. Say cast out. Do it again. Say, cast out. out. Right? Right, Noel? I know you remember that. (laughs) If you weren't here, listen to the podcast. Amen. I apologize for that. Amen. Pushed him kind of hard. He still took it. But perfect love would still push. Perfect love would still sleep. Perfect love, when it understood, And he wakes up and he says, why are you afraid? Do you not have faith? Now right away the answer could be, why am I afraid? Probably because I'm going to die? Because there's water coming in? Because I've got cancer? Because this happened to me? Because this is taking place? Because we're on the verge of divorce? Because this, can you not see what I'm going through? Duh! Right? That's what it seems like. 
God, can't you see what was taking place in my life? Come on, I thought you could see everything, including my thoughts. See? Come on. Help me out. Do something. Do anything. The disciples were scared. But what Jesus had to do, even in the midst of their questions, even in the midst of what they didn't understand, before he even talks to them, he says, hey, Storm, shut up. And then he tells the disciples, hey, now that I've spoken of that, let me speak to you. Now you, shut up. Be quiet. Be quiet. But you don't understand. Be quiet. See, my friend, what you and I have to understand is that God's timing is always the perfect timing. It's always the perfect timing. I know we don't feel like it. I know we don't think so. I know we want, God, do something right now. Come on, God, do something right now. God, do something right now. Kind of sounds like our kids, huh? I want food. I want to eat right now. I want to eat right now. Come on, give me that right now. I want to do this right now. I want to do this. But you and I, oh, we would never do that. Yo, we're, we're more mature than that. But the disciples, even in the midst of the sea, when you're going through it, it's like all maturity goes out the window. When you're in a storm, you're even like, even people that want to help you, hey, can I help you? You don't want to help me. Get away from me. You don't know what I'm going through. Okay. Because when you're in the storm, it's funny because we feel like the rain and the storm is only on us. I'm the only one feeling it. I'm the only one going through it. So I'm just going to wait until God speaks. See, during the perfect storm, he exercises his perfect power over the storms of life. God is never in a hurry. And the reason he is never in a hurry is because he knows exactly what to do at exactly the right time. He does not go by our time. At just the right time, not the right time as far as the disciples were concerned, but at just the right time, Jesus stood up and calmed the storm. Listen, my friend, don't worry. God has you in mind. He knows and understands you and your situation. He cares for you, and his timing is perfect. In Romans chapter 5, verse 6, it says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12, it says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. See, my friend, it is only in the storm that we truly understand who Jesus is. It is only in the storm that we understand who, we, who he really is. See, I think the most amazing part of this story is the disciples' reaction. It says, when Jesus asked them why they were afraid, in the Greek, the word meaning fearful is in this moderate sense. But when Jesus calms the storm, the Bible says they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Now, this is very important. When the storms came, the Bible says they were afraid. But when Jesus spoke up, the Bible says they were terrified. Did you catch that? See, a lot of times, we think it's the storm that we need to be scared of. But what happened? Jesus calmed the, one, the thing that was one thing that was making them scared. So all of a sudden, now the disciples' reaction, the Bible says they were sore afraid. They were terrified. And they said, what manner of a man is this? It is interesting that this is the second time in the gospel of Mark that Jesus rebuked something and said, be still. This is the second time. The first time you will read in the, in the same one in Mark chapter 1, 
verses 23 through 25, it says this. I'll, I'll read it for you. It says, Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. And even then, you will keep reading. And in a similar way, the disciple says, What is this? He even gives orders to evil spirits, and they obey him. See, throughout the Gospel of Mark, the disciples as well as others keep coming to new understandings of Jesus, and it is always in the context of a crisis. Whenever they found out something new about Christ, it always had to do with a crisis. What? Wait, how did he do? He, did he just pick that up, and he just... Did he just really go like that? And then all of a sudden the guy went, wow. Did he just really put his hands on the, and then he went, whoa. Like, I've never seen anything like that before. Every time the disciples saw something new about Christ, it's because of the storm they were going through. Everything that they were seeing. See, this is true for us as well. We keep meeting Jesus in new ways, and we see him in new crises. We don't really understand who he is or the power he has until we see him in action. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. If, if you're taking notes, this is a very important scripture right here. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 6 and 7. If you have it, say amen. If you don't say, just wait, pastor. <laughs> 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 6, it says, Though now for a little while, while you have... While you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, these have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. See, my friend, it was terrible to be blind, but the blind man could not see who Jesus was until he was healed. The deaf man could not hear Jesus until his ears were open. The lame man and his affliction was brought to Jesus by his side, and he was able to leap and dance so that the love of his master, and he wanted to follow him. Sin had ruined Mary's life until Jesus delivered her, and she was able to see who he was. Doubting Thomas, everything he went through, led him all the way to the death of Jesus. And everything seemed depressing, everything seemed lost, but it wasn't until Thomas himself experienced Jesus in a whole new way, and he put his hands in the resurrected Savior's holes right there, that he saw, and it was an encounter that changed his life. Even Thomas said, my Lord, my God. See, he understood who Jesus really was, even in the storms. I want you to know something here this morning is that if you are going through a storm, the storm is not to break you. The storm is not to bitter you. The storm is not for you to really say, well, you know what? I knew I couldn't do it, and this wasn't a, I, I, know, I knew I should have never gotten saved. I knew I should have never gotten married. I knew I should have never took this. I knew I should have never got that. I didn't, no, my friend, the storm is around you to do something inside of you. There's an encounter, an experience that is on its way. Everybody always thinks it's happening on the outside. But I want you to know something. It's really happening on the inside. 
the storm that many of us have been going through, the storm that many of us, that has been, been happening in our lives, God really wants to do something on the inside. There's a story that I tell sometimes, and my, my sister is here. She knows this story, and I've shared it quite a few times. It's fun for me now, but it wasn't fun then. When I was a kid, I must have been about maybe, I don't know, 11, 10, 11 years old. And I remember my parents, every time they felt I was watching TV for too long, they would say, turn off the TV and go outside and play. But if you were like me, you walk outside and I don't know. So for me, I had two little sisters. So what does a young, creative, 10-year-old boy do? I'm going to play with my sisters. So I would say, Stephanie, come here. Here's my little sister, about five, six years old. She'd come running, running down the stairs. She'd come down the stairs. Steph, come here. And she'd go, yeah? I go, we're going to play a little game. She'd go, all right, what's the game? I said, the name of the game is try and get out. True story. And I would hold my sister. And I'd hold, and at first she'd be like, what are you doing? You know, five, six years old. And I, I go, go ahead, try and get out. Go ahead, you can't get out, huh? You can't, you can't get out, can you? Can you? And she'd be out there, oh my God! Oh! Oh, Jesus! Somebody help me! And she'd have her hands, she'd be trying to kick, and she'd try to be hit me, trying to scratch me. I go, you can't get out, huh? You can't get out, huh? I know you can't do it. Come on, keep, keep on going. Go ahead, keep trying, keep trying. Go ahead. But no one can hear you. And I would hold her, and I'd hold her. This would go on for five minutes. This would go on for ten minutes. Sometimes this would go on for 20 minutes. It would go on a long time. Oh, my God! Oh, my God! Get off of me! Get off of me! You can't get out, can you? Huh? You can't get out. You can't get out. Until finally, you got, You done? You done? All right. Val! <laughs> See, what I was doing is, you know, of course, I'm just being a young boy, trying to come up with stuff, and I'd hold her. But see, for me, the whole purpose of me having fun was I wanted to have fun to just hold her and see how she could do. But see, it wasn't fun for me once everything that was in her came out of her. Yeah, all right, I'm done. Let's go on to the next one. Because once everything, and she did everything that she could until she realized, I'm not going to win. I'm just not going to win. See, some of you right now, you're in a storm, and you're fighting everything that you can. God, come on. I got to not hear me. You're supposed to be here. My finances, my marriage, my parenting, my this, my that. God. And God's just there like, all right, just taking a nap, but, you know, it's up to you. You keep fighting all you want. It doesn't change the storm. You cannot change the storm. The storm is there to change you. And then the moment my sister gave up, I just kind of like, all right, I'm good. We're good to go. See, some of you right now, you are so, what the Bible says, 
spent. You are spent. The word spent is exhaustion. I've exhausted all my resources. I've exhausted everything that I could. I've exhausted all my mental faculties, my physical faculties, my, my, my brother, my relationship. Like, I am just spent. I'm done. This story here, and I close with this, is a, as I was reading this book, it's called The Unnecessary Pastor, written by Eugene Peterson. And he wrote this. He said, my two sons are both rock climbers, and I have listened to them plan their ascents up the mountain. They spend as much or more time planning their climbs as in the actual climbing. They meticulously plot their route, and then as they climb, put in, all, put, put in what they call protection. These protections are called pittens. Pittens hammered into small crevices in the rock face with attached ropes that will arrest a quick descent to death. Rock climbers who fail to put in protection have short climbing careers. Our pittance or protection come as we remember and hold on to those times when we've experienced God's faithfulness in our lives. Every answered prayer, every victory, every storm that has been calmed by his presence is a pittance which keeps us from falling, losing hope, or worse yet, losing our faith. See, every pittance in our life is an example of God's faithfulness to us. As we ascend into the kingdom of God, we also realize that each experience and every victory is only a pittance, a stepping stone toward our ultimate goal of finishing the race and receiving the crown of glory. Listen to me, my friend. What's very important for you and I to understand, you could be in the storm right now, but don't forget about the victory of the other storm that you went through just to get to that storm. See, we, we so easily and we fail to forget what God brought us through while we are going through. Didn't that happen? Maybe it don't happen to you, but it happens to me. When I'm going through it, God! But then I remember as I lift my hands, clench my fists, I go, wait a second. These same fists and these same hands, when I was in that storm, I opened them and I raised them, and I worshiped, and I praised God. Even in the midst of it all, listen, my friend, I know some of you right now, you are going through the storm of storms, or what the Bible says, the squall. These squalls are called the perfect storm. It's when this hits and when this hits, and you're right in the middle of it, the perfect storm. And you may think, well, nobody understands. Listen, my friend, God understands. Well, he's not there. God may just be taking a nap because everything that's inside of you is coming out. All that stuff, all that junk, all that old things, all those old habits, all that old thinking, all those old ways, those old ways of dealing with it. See, the way that you used to deal with it, you can't do it now. The way that you used to talk about it, you can't talk about it now. The way that you used to want to handle it, the way that you used to want to talk about it and gossip about it and share about it, and this is the way, well, I'm just saying it and I'm just going to do it. God says, no. Be quiet. But you don't. God says, be still. But you don't understand. God knows exactly what you're going through. As he comes to the piano, listen, I want you to know something here this morning. I don't know what you're going through. And I can honestly say for some of you, I cannot feel what you're going through. I can't. I look around and I go, man, some of the things that you guys have been through. 
just it makes me look like, my gosh, I barely even broke a plate. Couldn't even do anything bad at all. And I think about it, and I go, man, they, they went through some bad stuff, some horrible stuff. I remember when they were on the brink of divorce. I remember when their children ran away. I remember when this and that. And I look, I look even on Facebook sometimes, and I see Pastor Daryl and Gloria, and they're there. They're excited. They're happy when their daughter could take one step. When their daughter could take one step. And here I am. My kids are running all around. They could take steps anytime. Sometimes I wish they would take no steps. Sit down. But rather than me saying, man, these kids are calling, causing me a storm. I said, just be thankful that I got kids. Some of you are thinking right now, well, well, man, but this shouldn't happen. Some of you, you need to just be thankful that you're able to breathe. But you don't understand. Look at as long as you're breathing, there's hope. I don't know your situation. I don't know your storm. I don't know every little thing and every little detail. I don't know your feeling. I don't know your circumstance, your situation. I, I don't. I just know that the rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. The sun rises on the good and the evil. It does it for both. So I don't know every little storm you've got. Some of you right now, even for those of you married couples, you think, oh, man, pastor, if you only knew how she was, if you only knew how he was, well, that's your storm. He's your storm. She's your storm. But one thing I do know is that that storm of a marriage is perfect for you. It's perfect for you. Well, if you only knew my kids, but you don't have, no, that's your perfect storm. My kids, they don't live. Man, but see, but if I had more money, if you won't see, pastor, I would want it if I had more money. That's not my account. That's your account. That's your perfect storm account. Now, this is the great thing you got to know is that we're all in the boat together. We all question God together, right? Can't you say, don't you care about me? Don't you care what I'm going through? Can't you, can't you do something just magically? Poof. Help me. Right? You're God. But sometimes, some of us right now are in a situation where you're not hearing God. But I want you to know something. It's okay. God napped on the disciples. He could probably nap on you too. You're in, the, you're in a good boat. If God's asleep, you're in a good boat. It's a good boat to be in. But I'd rather have God asleep in my boat than God not in my boat. He's in your boat right now. He's in your bank account right now. He's in your parenting right now. He's in your marriage right now. He's at your job right now. I, I know you may think, well, if he's there, he should do something. No, 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 no. He's there. He, he's there. He's there. But the storm that's around you is to get something inside of you out of you. It's to get it out of you. I close with this. I can't tell you how many times, even in our marriage with my wife, and we, we've talked about so many different things. And believe me, when I was a single guy, I used to think marriage was like this. Right? Did anybody else used to think like that? You know, I know when I was single, I go, and I'll be honest. I go, man, I'm single. When I get married, I didn't, you know, I didn't have a girlfriend or anything. I go, but when I get married, she's going to love me. She's going to cook for me. I mean, how could she resist this?
I was just being honest. And then I got married. What? Like, didn't you listen to my thoughts when I was single? Come on, didn't you hear? Like, I talked to God. Didn't God talk to you? He was supposed to talk to you to tell you what we're supposed to do and what you're supposed to do. I guess God was asleep at that time. Because then ever since then, I'm telling you, we've had some storms. But this is the great thing that I love. And I've learned this. Even in our storms, I didn't used to do this at first, so I'm not going to lie to you. But I still do it. I do this now. In our storms that we have in our marriage, my wife will tell you, I try to be as calm as possible. And we will pray and worship God together. We do that. Because the storms come and man, what are you doing? And how come you didn't do this? And no, that's what you meant. And no, you didn't mean this. And this and that. Oh, my gosh. Wait a second. That's not how it's supposed to be. God, where are you at? And God says, I'm here, but I'm just taking a nap. I'm here, but you guys got to work it out. I'm here, but you got to feel my presence. I'm here. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. But I will take a nap on you. Some of you right now, you're going through a storm. And it's a tough one. And it's a hard one. And you think, nobody understands. Listen, my friend, I want you to know something. Funny thing is, is that when we say nobody, the most ironic thing happens. Everybody understands. Everybody understands. Some have different circumstances that weigh heavier than others. Yes, that is true. Yes, that is true. But God has given each and every one of us as human beings a logic to understand things, even though we don't go through things. That's the way he made us. That's why when you read the disciples and they say, why would you let this happen? That's something you would say. It's because it's a logical thing. Why would I be going through this? It's a logical thing. It's normal. So don't think for yourself, nobody understands. No, we, we do understand. But that's your storm. God's trying to get something out of you, not me, out of you. Because trust me, you don't want my storms just like I don't want your storms. But this is the great thing. We get to hold on to each other together and say, hey, even though you may be going through it, I'm going to help you through it. Even though you may be feeling it, I'm going to feel it right there with you. Even though you think you're alone, I want you to know something. You're not alone. We're in this boat together. Listen to me, Victory Outreach, Heart of the Bay. We are in this thing together. Come what may and may will come. The storms will come. The lightning will come. The rain will break. Everything will come against the boat. But we are in this thing together. 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 Together, you're in that marriage together. We're in this church together. We fight it together.